Forerunners Podcast. On this week's episode, we're joined by Crystal Harper. When people heard that Crystal Harper was going to be on the show, I got multiple messages talking about how wonderful and uh, amazing she is. So her reputation preceded her. And they weren't lying. She is an amazing, delightful person who shines brightly. And when you hear our next two episodes, you'll get that sense too. So without further ado, here's part one of our interview with Crystal Harper. Enjoy. Hey guys, I'm here with Crystal Harper. Welcome, Crystal. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's it's good to have you. I, I'll i be up front on the recording. I've already told you off air. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> Don't be. <laughs> so, but... Let's get right into it. Where are you from originally? Okay, so originally I'm from upstate New York. After high school, I left and joined the Air Force, and I've kind of been all over the place ever since then. Nice. So I moved here about, uh, it'll be four years ago now, uh, yeah. coming up. Mm-hmm. Does Air Force take you all over the place, kind of like the Navy does? So I thought that going in, <laughs> but I actually did my entire enlistment in Arizona. Oh, okay. Got out, and um, knowing how much it can force you to move, I decided to get into something a little bit more stable, or yeah. so I thought, and so I got into TV news, and okay. that's really what took me all over the place, little did I know. Nice. So that brought me to Wyoming for my first TV job, and okay. then out here as well, but it's been great. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit about your family. Um, I see that you have a man in your life. I do. What's his name? He's wonderful. His name is Brad. Okay. He's actually... Um, got coach certified with me and helps me run Ignite and he's just I can't say enough good things about him he's just such a good person he's like my he he helps balance me out Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit more high strung than he is and I'm easily (laughs) stressed out and he just kind of keeps me grounded and he's he's great awesome how long have y'all been together um it'll be coming up on two years in November Mm -hmm. nice and I see yesterday was national or International Dog Day or yes. something like that. I'm not a dog person. I'm a cat person. You'll see them laying lazily around my house. But I see you have two little pups. What's their names? And I have a cat too. So I'm equally a oh, dog and okay. cat lover. Right. Um, Chloe, Ruby are the two dogs. And then Cassie is my cat. Yeah. And I love them. Yeah. Pets are... Uh, something that just enrich your life big time. They're amazing. So. I don't know what I would ever do without dogs and, and animals in my life. Yeah. I mean, they... Uh, Every every night when I go to bed, my cat, Jon Snow, who you shouldn't get near because he's vicious towards strangers, okay. he gets right up on my chest Aww. and gives me several beard kisses. Oh, and we just goodness. snuggle and, and uh, it's, it's nightly. I don't know what I'd do without that. So. Yeah, and my dog, the little one, she has to sleep under the covers with me. <laughs> every night she wakes me up and I think she gets cold and she just goes under there and, and it, I love it. It melts yeah, my heart. It's every just time. those little it's just those little things that they do that make them like your family. Yeah. And something that you expect every day and it's just a a wonderful feeling. We said off air just now that you're having like the time of your life. You're having like the best summer ever. So I saw y'all go out on y'all's boat um, quite a bit and you're learning to wakeboard so it's wake surfing actually. Oh, snap. Um, so it's it's basically like ocean surfing, but you're riding the wake 
yeah. off the back of the boat. So if you get good at it, which I am not quite yet, but that's my goal, you should be able to let go of the rope and just ride the ride wave. Ride the wave. Um, yes. It goes a lot slower than wakeboarding. Yeah. I had a little bit of a traumatic experience with wakeboarding and had a pretty bad wipeout, so I don't do that anymore. Yeah. But wake surfing is really fun, even gotcha. if I don't quite get it yet. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen you, you've gone on some, some other trips. I saw you went to... Uh, the snow, I think it's Snowflex up there in Lynchburg, right? That was such a crazy experience. Yeah. Have I you had, done it? I went to Liberty. Oh. I mean, I, I'm not that proud of it, okay? So, but I did go to Liberty, but they didn't build all that stuff till I left. So I haven't been on it yet. Gotcha. But it seems really cool. What What is that? What is the material? Um, it's... Is it like little tiny, like... It's kind of like a carpet material but not quite so it's not as soft as carpet like if i fell on that it would not feel good oh it's get you rug burn or something uh, yeah yeah oh, gosh. um but when we showed up it was middle of the day um, mm -hmm. which was probably not the smartest choice and it was hot and we were the only people there so we had it all to ourselves which yeah. was pretty cool and they have snow tubing yeah as well i've had some friends do the tubing a lot mm -hmm. so so let's talk a little bit about the air force um the the main school for the Air Force is in Arizona, right? Or is that not? So it depends on your job. Oh, okay. So for weather, I went to Keesler Air Force Base, which is in Mississippi. Okay. Um, so I was there for about nine months uh, pretty quickly, right after basic training. That's gotcha. where they sent me. So, okay. So you did weather in the Air Force? I did. That's how I got into it. Wow. Yes. Yep. So, well, let's let's jump right into weather then. Okay. I've got some serious curiosities about this stuff. <laughs> Why do they call weather meteorology? So it's it's funny. I've actually never been asked that question. <laughs> um, people kind of joke around like, oh, you must study meteors, knowing mm -hmm. that I obviously don't. But mm -hmm. no one's ever actually asked me, why is it called meteorology? Mm -hmm. So quick little history lesson for you. It dates back to 340 BC. Uh, Aristotle wrote a book called Meteorologica, and at the time, not knowing a whole lot about weather, <laughs> we're getting real into it. Yeah, this is intense. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they, they didn't really know a lot about weather, and it's also worth noting that anything in the sky, whether it was suspended or falling, was called a meteor. Oh. So it was largely weather, as we know it today, focused, um, and then as science progressed, it obviously turned into two different things. So you have astronomy, which deals with actual meteors, yeah. and then meteorology had already been coined that term, um, so it was taken. So then they had a, to, to kind of <laughs> divert. That is um, super fascinating. Yeah, weather's interesting. It's one of those things, I mean, it affects everybody every single day, so I so, love it. So really, meteorology is like a antiquated term that they just like kept. Yeah, they just kind of kept it, and <laughs> so... That's, that's interesting. All right, so here's my next big question about meteorology. When you get on television and you start telling everybody about the weather mm -hmm. and you're standing in front of the screen, the green screen with a clicker, <laughs> how hard is it to get used to pointing to the screen? I know there's a monitor, but it's got to still be an adjustment learning how to point at the green screen when there's nothing really there. Yes, and everything's backwards too. So you have the monitor in front of you, but it's like a mirror image almost. Oh, man. Um, so yeah, if you're pointing left, you're actually pointing right on the screen. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm 
it's confusing. Everybody who takes selfies understands. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, but I also had two monitors on each side of me. Oh, so okay. when people are turning sideways, they're not looking at a blank wall. They're actually looking at the monitor off to the side. So it took some practice, and I have some bloopers to, yeah. to show the proof of that. Um, but once you get the hang of it, it's pretty easy. It's like second nature. You said bloopers, and I thought about it. I, while I was plumbing today, I was thinking about questions. And I thought about this question and thought it was too stupid to ask, but <laughs> you said bloopers, so let's... Let, let's get into it. One of our favorite things to watch on YouTube, because a lot of times we don't watch shows, we just turn on the Apple TV and go to YouTube. Okay. And one of the, the things we like watching is these long clips of blooper reels for, for news. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering, because a lot of this stuff, they could never air that. How do they get the, how do they get access to those bloopers that aren't aired? I mean... Um, I think a lot of them are aired. Yeah, there are some that are definitely mistakes that came on, that were on. The ones that aren't, I don't, that's a good question. So... Yeah. Maybe leaks? I know for me, um, kind of my philosophy is everyone on live TV is going to make mistakes. You mm -hmm. have to get good at recovering from those mistakes. Mm -hmm. And then I would always feel like instead of people at home laughing at me, I'm going to laugh at me. Yeah. And so then you can't laugh at me. You have to laugh with me. So if I had something really embarrassing happen, which I have, I would take the clip and I would post it and I would kind of make fun of myself yeah. a little bit. Um, the most uh, infamous, I'll say, one was on St. Patrick's Day. I I had to wake up at like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, so mm -hmm. I'm not really thinking all the time. So I get up and I'm thinking like, oh, it's you know, St. Patrick's Day, let me be festive. I grabbed a green dress and <laughs> oh. <laughs> went into work um, <laughs> right before the show started. My director, you know, she sets the, the camera shot and all that, and I walked on screen and I was like, oh no what did i just do <laughs> so um that turned out to be really funny at the time i was mortified yeah uh we adapted and and we just didn't take any green screenshots at all um and it was it was okay but people loved it they thought it was the funniest thing ever yeah it reminds me of anchorman when brick the weatherman wore green pants and he looks at the he looks at the monitor and goes my legs and he like <laughs> like acts like he doesn't have legs. That's pretty much what so, it was. Yeah. It's actually kind of genius though because then you don't stand in front of the temperatures or block any of the yeah. weather. You yeah. just point yeah. to it. You can point to yourself. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, this is the, it's right here. Um, so, just an, one last question, or I got two last questions about meteorology. Okay, so you did weather in the Air Force. How how did you transition to television? Whew. I'll try to make this a condensed story because okay. it's right. it's long. But um, so I got out of the Air Force um, for a couple of different reasons. But one was because I kind of just wanted to be have some stability in my life and and know that I have control over where I go. Mm -hmm. So I got out. I ended up getting a job with a radio station doing weather, um, totally by chance. And the man that I worked for was a former news director. And he one day just said, you would be really good on TV. I think you should do this and, mm -hmm. and look into it. So I ended up getting an internship at a TV station in, in Tucson. That's where I was at the time. Um, it was unpaid. Um, and I almost was probably not, not here right now because... Uh, it was over summer and, and again, not paid. <laughs> so I'm like struggling and the radio station didn't pay very much. Mm. And I was like struggling big time. So I'm applying for every single job I could possibly find online. 
Um, I ended up calling my mom because I, I was getting rejected from everything. Um, I called my mom and I said, I, I don't know what else to do. I think I might have to come home. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? I think I just need to change my direction in life and go to school for something else. This is really hard. And she was like, absolutely, you know, come on home. So I had a moving truck booked for, um, it was, I think it was on a Wednesday. And that Friday before, I got a call from a news director offering me a job. That was the one in Wyoming. It's like right. market 5,000, like the smallest town you could <laughs> possibly mm -hmm. go to. But they offered me a job. And so I was able to cancel the moving truck and go out to Wyoming. And, and so that's kind of how I got into it. But I almost didn't. I was really close to giving up, which is really sad to say. How yeah. I'm really sad to admit. <laughs> well, it's interesting how things happen like yes, that. Yes, absolutely. Um, so is... Um, the weather job on television, what you what brought you to Hampton Roads? Yes. Excellent. Last question about television. What's it like dealing with local celeb status? <laughs> like, okay, so um, I don't get starstruck that easily, but we we um, live in Portsmouth. Wavy's right there. I'm sure there's some wavy um, people that live in that area. But we go to Kroger, and on occasion we'll see one of the anchors in Kroger, and I'll... I'll whisper to Annalise, like, that's that. <laughs> You're one of those. Yeah. yeah. And we'll just be like, oh, she's like a regular person. So, <laughs> yeah. so you got to have to deal with like more obnoxious people than me, like on a regular basis. Is that how it was? Yeah. And I, I want to be a little bit cautious in using the term obnoxious because yeah. the people here. I meant more outgoing. I, I, yeah. That's I know what, I what you mean. Mm -hmm. Um, the people here are amazing. Mm -hmm. So I had some crazy health stuff, which I think we'll get into. Yeah. Um, and the community just rallied around me and mm -hmm. I felt so supportive. So it did get hard when, you know, I'm out on a date with my boyfriend or something and, and having people come up in the middle of dinner and, yeah. and say things, or I felt like I could never just fully relax out in public. Like mm -hmm. I always felt like I had to like have some kind of makeup on and that's not me. Like now yeah. I've gone all summer with not putting mm -hmm. anything on. Um, so, so yeah, that was, I felt like I always had to be on. And, and I can never just let my guard down. So yeah. it got a little bit exhausting. It's It's been nice <laughs> kind yeah. of having some quiet time recently. Still, do st a lot of people still recognize? They, they did for a while. It's hard to say now because we don't go out all that much. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Well, let's talk a little, you just mentioned it a little bit. Um, you became, you, you found out that you had cancer. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about that. So that happened, um, I got diagnosed only six months after I moved here. I was 25 years old. Um, not something that anyone ever expects to hear, but especially not in that stage of mm -hmm. life. Um, and, and to be totally honest, as soon as I moved here, I started noticing symptoms. So the whole time that I had moved here at first, I was dealing with doctor's appointments and getting tests and labs and scans and all this stuff. Um, so it was stressful. So not only was I starting a job in this new city, which was a much bigger city than what I had been used to, yeah. um, I had all this extra stress. So a lot of times um, that, that's where getting good at dealing with your bloopers <laughs> kind of comes in. Because mm -hmm. um, I would, I would, I would make big mistakes sometimes on air. Um, I just had a lot going on. And, and so it just comes back to you never know what somebody's going through. Yeah. Nobody had any idea. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so I got diagnosed in May of 2017 and I made the decision to kind of be open about it 
and I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the community just rallied around me, and it, it honestly helped me get through it. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. and I'm good now. <laughs> yeah. Support is, having support's incredibly important. Yes. R- runners know that, and people who go through really hard times know that. Um, and especially being in a brand new city, not knowing anybody. Yeah. So I was fortunate for yeah. that. Um, I, I told Piper, I was like, there's kind of like a celebrity coming over my house. And she was like, really? And she was like, how? And I was like, she's been on TV. And she was like, really? And I turned on YouTube and I had seen, um, I had seen a, a, a couple clips of, uh, just some stuff that you had posted. But uh-huh. one of the things I saw was that around the, uh, around the time that you had kind of recovered fully and been cancer-free, um, you, you jumped into running a little bit hard. Yes. So let's talk about your running origins and why you started running. So I... I actually started running a little bit before the diagnosis. Oh, okay. Um, wasn't good at it uh, for obvious reasons. I was very sick and, not, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know that. Um, and then I didn't run at all through the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So when I got back, I started going back to some of the run clubs that I had joined previously and um, I walked a lot. I, I didn't run the whole thing because I couldn't. I had no stamina. I was like super skinny. I mm-hmm. lost all my muscle, everything. Yeah. So I did what I could. It was just nice to be around people and to be back with my friends. And, you know, I was with my yeah. parents who I love dearly, but mm-hmm. uh, for <laughs> eight months <laughs> mm-hmm. not able to go out or anything. So yeah. it was just good to get out. And that was kind of my release. And I found that as much as I may not have wanted to go out for a run, coming back always made me feel better. Yeah. So it, was, it became a little bit addicting. Um, And then, uh, again, getting a little bit deep, but after I was done with chemotherapy, I I really think that I went through a little bit of depression. Um, Not ever diagnosed or anything, but I had a a really rough time, and it all hit me once I was done. I think I kind of never really um, processed what I was going through, Mm -hmm. and so as soon as I got back to work and was thrown back into everyday life, I think it all just hit me. And um, I didn't know how to process it anymore at that point. So yeah. I had some some pretty dark days, and I really feel like running is what got me through some of that. Okay. So yeah. So running had been became therapeutic. Yes, absolutely. Nice. Um, so you said so. So you said you weren't very good at running to begin with, and uh, you were walk running a lot uh, coming out of the time of your recovery. Um, when did you start to feel like you were really hitting your stride and, and becoming uh, better at running or, or more comfortable in it and knowing what you were doing? It probably was when I started training for my first half marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I ever hit the point where I, I just feel like a comfortable runner, like I, like a hardcore, like I am yeah. a runner. Yeah. Um, I think it's just always the work in progress. But yeah. when I was training consistently for that first half marathon, I worked with Ryan Conrad. He coached me through it. And he's an all right guy. Oh my gosh. He, he's like my idol. I loved Ryan. <laughs> he's great. He's great. He is actually the reason that I started Ignite. Um, yeah. I owe it all to him. 100%. Yeah. So, so yeah, he, and he has a way of motivating people. So he 
kind of gave me the option to train for a half marathon. And I was like, Ryan, I can't do that. I haven't even been, um, it hasn't even been a year since I got done with chemo. And he was like, yeah, you can. And he just has a way of like making you do things, mm -hmm. <laughs> like making you believe that you can do them. Yeah. So, so yeah, once I was on his plan, that's when I think it really set in um, and, and things just kind of clicked a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Excellent. What was your first half marathon? Crawling Crab. Crawling Crab. And it was on my birthday. People love that one. I love it too. It's my favorite. I'm going to run it uh, one day for sure. Yes. It's on my list. You need to. Yeah. Um, let's talk about um, some of your other racing experiences. So what year did you run the Crawling Crab? That was, that must have been 2018. Trying to think, 20, yeah, because 2017 is when I went through chemo, got mm -hmm. back, so it was 20, 2018, and again, it hadn't even been a year um, mm -hmm. since I finished chemo, so I was still not quite at my strongest, but that that really just kind of helped me. Yeah. Did you? Um, what are some other races that you've raced locally? Um, a lot of them. So like, it was hard yeah. when I was doing the TV thing because I worked weekends, so. I felt like I was always <laughs> I didn't even missing think out about that kind of stuff. Yeah, so as soon as I uh, left, it was about a year ago now. Um, I signed up for everything I possibly could. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think I've done every single one of the JNA races, um, and then I've done some other ones like the the Crush and Run. I've done that one. That's a mm -hmm. fun one. Um, trying to think, but but yeah, I mean, if there was an opportunity and I was around, I was gonna sign up for it. Later on, I'll ask you your favorite race ever. But we will we'll save that. Okay. What are some things that you, what are some races that you hope to do in the future? Like dream races, things like that. Um, I, I don't know if I have a specific race in mind. I always thought it would be cool to do a destination race. Mm -hmm. um, I also think there's a lot of challenges that would come with that, especially yeah. if it's a longer distance, just being in a different city and having to sleep in a hotel room and mm -hmm. maybe not getting the best sleep. Yeah. But um, I've, I was actually thinking about doing the, there's a Hawaii half, um, I don't know the exact name of it, but it's in December every year. So yeah. I was hoping to do that this year, um, not going to happen now. But uh, I think that one would be really cool. The San Diego Half Marathon looks really cool. The Key West Half Marathon looks awesome, too. Yeah. So I'm kind of up for whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the world's waiting. Let's, yes. get, back, let's get back to this. So um, do, you, do you... I'll save that question for a little bit later, but... So much suspense. Yeah. I want to know what the best advice you've ever received about running has been? Um, the best advice about running is, is just that it's all mental. Your training can only take you so far physically. It's mm -hmm. the mental part. So when your body tells you you can't go anymore, you, you can just tell your body to stop <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and just push through it. So, yeah. um, I think the, the biggest piece of advice that I would give my new runners, um, and it seems like I have to do this with every single person on the team is telling them that when you start, you, you can't improve your distance and your speed at the same time. Mm -hmm. You got to pick one. And you know, most of the time it's the distance for us. So we're, we're training for a 5k or an 8k. Um, but they get so worried about the speed and you know, you got to let it go. You just got to focus on, on one of those things. So Nice. And getting good shoes. That's probably the, yes. the best like, you know, practical advice. That is a good practical advice. The, when I first 
that that stationary bike, I lost a bunch of weight on it just sitting there watching television. Wow. And uh, I got really tired of that. I was like a bird in a cage. I needed to fly. So I went out and started running. And some of my running friends, um, one specifically named Diane, who doesn't even want to run anymore. She just does CrossFit. <laughs> so, one of those people. <laughs> yeah. So, but she, the, one of the first things she said is you need to probably go get running shoes. I yes. went out in some shoes I had that were just cool looking and my feet fell asleep while I ran. Yes, I had that problem too. <laughs> and it was because I have wide feet. I learned because you go to a run, run in, et cetera, or point mm-hmm. two and let them get, let them size you and, or let them do an analysis on you and show you exactly what kind of shoe that your foot needs. And it's a game changer. Yeah. And I had no idea that you need, you know, usually a full size up from mm-hmm. what you normally are. Um, so it's all those things that you don't think about. So yeah, yeah definitely go to, go go to shoe a, advice. Yes, yes, yes. So, so important. Well, we'll take a break and we'll come back in a few seconds. On next week's episode, we'll talk with Crystal Harper about Ignite Running. She'll talk about what it's like to coach people in the beginning stages of their running journey. This week's haiku is brought to us by Ray Gerard. It goes like this. Covered with dry leaves that crackle beneath my feet, afternoon trail run. I think we're all pretty excited about fall running, and it's just around the corner. So until next week, This is Danny, signing off. Godspeed.